Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Marcus, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be part of your podcast. Brilliant. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who do you work for and what do you do? Okay, so um, yeah, Marcus Campbell. I work for um, Hermes Logistics Technologies and I'm the CTO. I'm absolutely interested in your journey of how you got to where you are. You've had quite an interesting kind of um, varied journey. Oh yeah, I'll try to keep this short because uh, yeah, I've been um, fairly busy in, uh, in my 20 plus years in the technology sector. Look, I started um, started as a developer at a very young age, um, uh, working in a software uh, software house while studying um, my um, my degree, um, and I spent um, a significant amount of time working with um, organisations who wanted, uh, in the early days, to get uh, platforms um, in banks, in retail, in factories, even small startups. They wanted to get a computer in their in their hands, and they would approach us, and we would develop a solution for. It was really for me, that was a really good place to start my uh, my career. Um, I, I moved on to uh, work in retail. I, I used to work for uh, I'm gonna, they're not there anymore. Comet. Um, ah, retail. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, they were they were the big um, the big retail at the time. Everyone on on everyone's lips. And um, you know, I was part of the e-commerce, the epos team. Yeah. Um, so the cash collection stuff and the software operating the tills. Um, I then went on to join and work within the insurance market um, and then went on to work for what is, um, was, um, I feel was a really great place, was in telecoms. Uh, ah. That's really where I got my real teeth cut um, in terms of getting a real understanding, taking my software development skills, becoming a real tech leader. Um, I then moved on from there. I worked in um, transportation. So I worked for Transport for London for uh for a number of years, and um, and then from there moved on to um, taking up more. Um, uh, let me say there's a bit of a shift actually because I went to work for Sony PlayStation. Yes, um, I saw that. Yes. Yeah, that that was a really cool job. Um, my uh, my kid was always asking if I'm going to bring him a PlayStation. <laughs> um, so I looked after the um, the front end, um, the team that looked after the PlayStation website, and also the back end systems team. Uh, these teams will look after the um, the, the fulfillment of uh, PlayStation, uh, new games come to the market. This was a very exciting time. This PlayStation. Yeah. Um, I went on to um, the call. Um, I went on to work for um, uh, some agencies in uh, in Brighton. Um, you know, I needed to work closer to home. I have a very young family at the time, so I need to be um, a lot closer to home. And um, and then from there on, I went back into working in um, another uh, shipping company. Lloyd's Register. Yeah. Uh, back into the uh, into transportation, uh, checked on a ship, and then um, look, I, I I left there, started um, started uh, working for an agency here in Brighton, and then started my own startup for a while, which um, which was an interesting uh, journey for me. Um, 
Uh, and um, and from there, I went to work for Prince's Trust. Yes. I think everyone pretty well knows. Mm. And uh, that journey then took has taken me to um, become the CTO at uh, Hermes Logistics Technology, which I'm going to call HLT as a short. Brilliant. That sounds good. And we're going to look into what they do in a, in, a, in a short while. I'm really curious around your your time at Prince's Trust because this is in the UK for an audience out there. It's a it's a trust uh, that does some great programs with youth um, and uh, and various other kind of bodies. Uh, what what was what was your kind of role there then as a technology leader? So um, I was I was there as uh, an architect, delivery lead, um, and um, it predominantly focused around trying to build platforms that would enable the trust to reach out to the young people. Um, they we provided learning and management systems. Um, we provided material they could access. Um, so I spent a lot of time working with teams below who had attempted to, to build uh, platforms. We, we did a lot of work getting that, bringing that to life. We also looked at a lot of gamification. So taking, um, taking um, events to raise funds uh, because the Prince's Trust has a, a number of, um, it's not a traditional uh, fundraiser. It doesn't rely on public funds too much. It does have a big corporate um, uh, funding mechanism um, and what we do is to build digital um, digital technology, digital pathways and journeys for um, those corporates and their employees to be able to also engage in fun things to do. Yeah. Um, Future Steps was one of those, which is where we get um, uh, corporates and get the members of the, the staff to join teams and to again go and participate in a fundraising activity, number of steps per, per day, very competitive. They love that. So things mm -hmm. like that, building mobile apps working with the engineering teams outside of the trust and inside of the trust to bring that into a um, into a real mobile friendly native application that support the collection of the money creates a gaming experience for um for the staff and yeah. also gives us a real brand as well so that was one of the many um one of the many uh, things that we did over there very exciting um place to be very very driven um and you know you get that real great sense of satisfaction you see the work that people are doing over the trust mm. um it is definitely um definitely a, a place and uh, as a role in a, in a non-profit definitely recommend it for any of my uh any uh, listeners out there who are interested in working on profit great place yes i love the princesses trust so thank you for kind of uh, mentioning that and and your journey there so coming on to now the uh, hermes uh logistics technologies What's the problem that it's solving in the market, Marcus? So um, Hermes Logistics Technologies, they've been um, in the industry for about 20 years, and we're talking about the air cargo industry. So many people confuse Hermes with uh, the uh, parcel delivery company that delivers parcels to your door. What we do is we support the delivery of parcels, cargo um, in 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 tonnage essentially getting it from the front of an airport to the back on it through the warehouse onto a plane and what we what we build is a software platform that facilitates that um it's quite a complicated um complicated um, area to be in which is very operational um we our platform is considered to be one of the best in the world and it's in essentially been deployed to about 70 airports stations sheds around the world wow. um, it's used by all the big players out there well known in the industry um we're about um 
about 85 people in terms of, of staff. Um, and we are, um, we, we, we're in Israel. We've got a head office in, in the UK. And we also have um, other teams over in, in India as well, such as testing and products um, and cargo especially. It's, um, so it's a really, this is a really interesting time to join um, HLT, mainly because of the air cargo and the fact of, hey, look, everybody likes to get their parcel delivered. But do you ever wonder how does it actually get here above just the, the man in the van actually mm-hmm. come abroad? Think about how it's actually um, managed to get from from the from the broad location on a plane over here. Think about some of the things like customs and stuff like that. Mm. And the fact that we need to register an airway bill. This is where our space is. So we we have a cargo management system called Hermes facilitates all of that. Fantastic, I love it. I, I again uh, we kind of mentioned offline a second ago. You know, um, the one thing I love about CTO Confessions and these opportunities to speak to tech leaders like yourself is, is that we get to see under the covers of. Uh, aspects of things that are happening in our lives without us knowing that they're kind of happening, you know, how things are getting to us, how things are being moved across. And as you say, you know, sometimes when we imagine logistics, we don't, we tend to just uh, see kind of small aspects of it. So this is great to shine a light on, on that, that part of it. And, and the, the, the movement of the, the parcels then from the kind of being brought to the, the airport and then going through security. I mean, that must be quite a complex, um, you know, matching of, you know, is this the parcel that's coming through? Has this been signed off? Da, 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 da. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. Um, the the process for moving a piece of cargo from the front of the uh, the airport onto a plane, you know, each government has um, their their own regulatory customs um, uh, regulations that need to be adhered to. So we need to make sure we've got the road. And in some cases, we need to break down um, cargo pallets uh, and then document them and then reassemble them and get them back onto a plane. Um, where the critical part for Hermes really comes in is, you know, we can't afford to have a plane sitting on a runway, uh, you know, with something waiting for it. Mm. The plane needs to be out the door as quickly as possible. There are other pl- um, flights um, going out there as well. Yeah. So, it's a very yeah, it's a very complex environment, and we have some very very skilled engineers, cargo specialists on our side that really do understand the operational um, features, the checks, the things that need to happen to make sure that a piece of cargo has got the right piece of documentation and is legally allowed to travel um, on a plane. Mm. And when I talk about cargo, we're not just talking about um, parcels and your, you know, the Amazon, uh, the Amazon books you might have, or what have you, or the your Alexa. We're talking about also cargo in the form of animals as well. Ah. Animals need to be documented. Um, you know, people, some people carry their cars as cargo, uh, so they're on a ULD, for example. Ah. <laughs> um, so you know, the range of material, the range of cargo that is being carried from small right up to, as I say, a car actually being loaded onto a ULD, placed on the plane and landing, mm. and then again, have be documented to the animals as well. That's the level of uh, the complexity that the warehouse and the staff need to be able to uh, to manage and work with. And that's where, again, our, our platform yes. is able to do that very well. And remember, a lot of, um, a lot of these cargo operators will have customers themselves. Uh, they'll have contracts with other organizations to move a specific number of tonnage every year, maybe a million, two million, three million um, tons, where literally the scale of the, the operation is massive. Mm. So it's a really exciting uh, place uh, uh, place to work in, an environment and the industry to work in. Um, 
And, and you know, recently I went to see one of our customers' warehouse in uh, in Amsterdam. The sheer scale of it, when you see it, and you think you've got to get a platform together to automate moving a piece of cargo from the right gate, it's literally, when you see it, mm. it's just amazing. And you realize that's the complexity, that's the size, and that's the that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with aircraft, big warehouses, and you're dealing with um, moving, essentially, one of our projects is to move um, cargo through an automated, um, in an automated fashion through the airport, uh, through the warehouse, uh, using our, our cargo management. These are really exciting uh, projects that I yeah. think they, the, the, the real get your teeth really stuck into. Sounds exciting. It does sound exciting. I imagine there's lots of integration with the existing systems out there as well. Is, the, is, is most of this kind of paperwork still? Is it old fashioned, you know, rubber stamping going on? That's right. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. So one of the things that we're doing a lot of is to try and digitize um, a lot of that paper documentation. Um, and the air cargo industry is, you know, held on to some um, some very manual ways of working. Mm. But again, because of COVID, really raised the eyebrows and pricked up the ears. Yes. Uh, cargo um, operators who want to be now super efficient. Um, and it's not just the cargo operators, it's people, it's, for example, customs. I mean, in the UK, we have the make tax digital um, uh, piece, and um, we need to now... We do a lot of work to be integrating our platform into that platform as well. So, you know, with Brexit, for example, we've had uh, had to pay a custom, what have yes. you. Um, yeah. uh, we, we do a lot of work with integration into customs as well of, of the countries that um, where we're deploying uh, our platform to, to making sure that um, we've got all of the right necessary documentation in place electronically. Um, we also, you know, CETA is um, essentially our messaging, um, uh, does the piece around making sure that messaging is consistent across all of the airlines. So we also do the CETA integration as well. Um, so we do integrate with a number of other partners and making sure that uh, there's collaborative communication yes. across, across the globe. Fantastic. Sounds like a great solution. Um, mm -hmm. What I want to do now, Mark, is just kind of uh, put the spotlight on you uh, and you as a kind of tech leader. What's your passion that drives you in your tech leadership? And that's kind of been a th nice thread throughout your kind of journey up until this yeah. point. You know, for me, it's when I when I see something that has been built and that tends to be always a tech solution. And I see it in operation years later. It may be slightly different, but what I know is that um, I was, or my team was, part of the driving force that got it to that position. Now... Um, every time I travel, here's an example, when I, every time I travel on the London Underground uh, and I'm just about to enter the, um, the station, there's a, a display board there that shows the, um, uh, the status of each line. And, um, you know, I was involved in a project uh, with a group of people. It's very, it was a very, um, very agile, lean project. Our task was to, to improve the information displays that are presented to mm. customers, make them reliable, make sure the information is right and make sure it's always switched on. And um, just taking, um, uh, taking something that had been previously developed as being a highly technical solution with high availability, which basically ended up being something that was not very reliable in the end. But by us as a team looking at that mm. and actually coming up with the simple solution that made it reliable again, yeah. working. And I see customers using it every day. So when mm. I go past and I used the tube last week, when I go into the tube and I see that display board there, it may have, the development teams have, you know, have, have, have evolved that even further. But the base premise for which that technology 
was implemented using a simple HTML page on a on a very simple device sitting in a, a display cabinet, whereas the previous um, version of that was something a lot more complicated, which was not very liable and what have you. And I see that every time I go into um, a station, I that brings back memories to me of working mm. in, in TFL and being part of that very small team, very fast and running. And look, we took risks. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, we took risks when we built that. Mm. Um, we, you know, I was sitting, sat in a, in a, um, in a London TFL office trying to prove this technology to, um, to, uh, my bosses at the time who were a little bit nervous about me being in an office and then, then being on a station platform. And mm. I wanted to prove to them this worked. Mm. and, uh, they, I got the telephone call. You can switch over now. <laughs> and, you know, I pressed the button away, quiet, mm. quiet. And they came back and said, it's working. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay, i get it i get it but before that i had quite a lot of hassle around um, a lot of questions around would it work we're going to do that in a live station with lots of customers around we're going to get customer blame having that bravery now those are the type of scenarios i love you know yeah. it's a bit of risk it's being brave um it's trying something in an mvp because that was an mvp but mm -hmm. really in that in that really really uh well there's a lot of customers around and anything could have gone wrong but yeah. I had the confidence. I think the team had the confidence to work through our testing. So I like to see, I like to see when you've built something and it's actually being put to you. Yeah. But I also like to feel the journey of taking the risk of doing something slightly different from what was there before, but knowing that, you know, you've still got that, that, that edge, something. Yeah. Different. You like the edge on the edge of your seat. I like the edge. I like yes. the edge. And I'm, I'm I like a big, big fan of that. Brilliant. And, and as the real leader then in that space, what's your style? Well, how do you roll as a leader? Wow. Yeah. My, my, my leadership style has changed over the years. You know, I used to be, I'll be honest with you. I used to, <laughs> I think, I'm, you know, as with any leader, you learn, you, you, you find your way, you, you, you reflect, you look at your, your mistakes and things you could do wrong and what things you could do better. But I'm, I'm a very collaborative person. I'm very, I'm very trusting. Um, maybe sometimes too trusting, but I'm, I like to give people the chance to try their good ideas. I'm pushing. I am pushing. I do try to push. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, you know, I've been told that um, that uh, yeah, I can be uh, a pushy. Um, I'm pushing in a good way. You know, in, as in we're going to aspire for this. Mm. We're going to go for that. And you know, getting people to move towards that goal. I like. That's the type of person I am. I'm very collaborative. I'm a friendly guy. I don't take myself too. Um, uh, but I am someone who believes in really good software engineering. I believe in really good quality. I don't believe in taking shortcuts. Well, yeah. sometimes you have to, um, but that's 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 who I am. I'm um, I consider myself the, the friendly guy who knows what they're doing, prepared to lead the team, and prepared to to, to make the uh, the big hairy um, uh, commitment to do something really bold. Um, yes. That's me. Uh, I do believe in collaboration, bringing people together. That's that's a central part of uh, my lead my leadership. Um, and I think again the the friendliness that I bring mixture of mm. Yeah, let's let's aspire, but let's do it together. And as a tech leader, what are the things that kind of play on your mind that kind of keep you up at night as a tech leader? Um, keeping up with customer demands. I mean, there's, look, you get there's 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 a couple of things that do wake wake me up in the in the in the night. I've still got a thousand emails in my inbox. I haven't read all of them. Some a couple of them for my CEO. He's probably going to to call me next time I have my one to one. But the main thing for me, the main thing for me that really keeps me up. Is, is where customers are out accelerating our ability to grow at their pace. So 
being able to really deliver to the customer's demands. And how can we do that while trying to manage a cost base that you know any business has? Um, how can we do things better, quicker, faster? Um, making sure that we are not creating technical debt. Mm. Those are the things that keep me up at night. That's what really worries me because creating really good foundations in technology, things, the products that you engineer, and then being able to then build on those is really critical for me. I've seen and experienced situations where those things have, um, have not been paid attention to. And then the customer's aspiration builds on that and everyone forgets about the things that you did and perhaps they weren't right in the right way they should have been. And before you know it, you know, you've got a, got a house of cards. Yes. So that's that's where I I, I, I worry about a lot about that. Um, they say perfection is the enemy of progress. Um, but um, I think you have to just have to worry about those things. Yes. So you're, you're trying to do as much as you can without being over the top of that. Yeah, it's it's just kind of raising the awareness, and you you know it's in the space, and the kind of it, the act of it being in your space and your mind, the psyche, it causes you to do something. So what makes it easier? I think um, I think sharing those challenges with customers um, is makes it easier. They understand the mm. journey that the fact that you are trying to achieve more. They understand there's a cost base around that. They it allows. When you're sharing that type, those types of problems, you're not just taking it on your own head. You are allowing your customer to see that you are making the right um, timeline choices and recognizing as well that there's also a change management piece to be applied at the customer's end when you're thinking about adding in all these new features and items, new product lines. So sharing the problem with the customer, communicating early is really, really important, I feel. Yeah. That's how... I feel a little bit of comfort in not waking up at two o'clock in the morning and maybe I'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning. But yes. <laughs> sharing that, presenting that, keeping the customer in, in, in regular, um, regularly updated in terms of where you are, what you're doing and some of those challenges because sometimes that collaboration piece goes more than just within your own team. It can go yeah. wider outside of the organization as well. So that's, that's for me something that, um, that makes me feel a little bit easier um, but also sharing the problem with the team as well internally and not just having it as my my problem as a CTO, mm. sharing it internally because that helps to to get everybody recognizing that we've got to we've got to build in quality, but at the same time we've got to, to manage the cost and we've mm. got to manage the time. Yeah. And that is something that everyone, if everyone can share those objectives and those that shared goal, you know, you're not gonna get the perfect high quality, you know, done quickly at a low cost, but you'll get somewhere in between that is something that is if you've got the right people on board they will recognize that's what you need excellent yeah and then coming on to your teams now how do you go about as a leader getting the best out of your teams in fact turning these kind of boys and girls these kind of fantastic engineers into you know real kind of engines of productivity and creativity yeah um my i think this i think having a shared goal and i when i say a shared goal as a leader, you need to make sure everybody in your team understands that, understands what you stand for as as a person, what makes what what good and what good looks like and what bad looks like. I think that's it's really important to um, make that really clear as early as possible. And again, in a friendly way, that mm. you know, in a way that everyone can consume that and recognize that you have different personalities. Um, I think also to making sure that you've got a team of people that are collaborative. Um, I've I've run a number of teams and experienced situations where you sometimes just don't get the right fit in, in terms of team members. 
and no matter what type of glue you try to put together in between the team members, it still doesn't work out. You've got to find the right people that really understand. Before you talk and think about the tech side of someone's abilities and skills, their softer skills, ability to, to, to collaborate, learn, and be patient. You know, collaborate, learn, and be patient and share the same values as everybody else. Um, so patience and calm, I think, is something really, really important as well. So what I look for the team is problem think, you know, problem solvers. I look for people who um, who are not scared to go and take do the next uh, the, the the big hairy goal. Essentially, um, I look for people sharing goals. I look for people who can um, who are customer centric, thinking about the customer, but also recognizing there's sometimes where you can't always satisfy the customer. You think about internal needs as well. Um, I do believe in making sure that you hire the right people and don't compromise on that. And I, that's not just about being a tech leader or someone who's been really good technically. I mean, there's somebody, I'd rather hire somebody who's really good with the uh, collaboration, communication, patience, and just the way they come across. Mm. I'd rather hire someone on those benefits that are stronger than their tech, their tech um, skills, because we can teach them tech. What you can't always teach is those other softer skills, yes. which, you know, that I've, in my 20 years plus experience, you find that there are some people that are made for this and some people that are not. So the collaboration is really, really. So I really do believe in giving people a chance and giving everyone a chance to own it and own the problems and own the work that they're doing um, is very, very important for me. Um, yeah, look, those are some of the, the attributes I look for in the in building the team. Um, yes. And I think keeping creating a space and um, foundation where people can feel comfortable, they can do their best work. Mm, absolutely beautiful it's a great kind of set of tips there as well um one of the things that i'm, I'm really interested in, you mentioned it a few times patience I've, we haven't heard that very often on cto confessions and i'm really curious as to uh, what, what you mean by patience and what's the context yeah it's um let's so i've worked for i've worked for, for charity i've worked for in startups uh, my own and also other companies and i'm also you know working in a essentially in the air cargo industry and um, you know, I've mentioned about around finances and the lack of investments, um, but also that brings with it when you've got those scenarios where a lack of investment means resources, has an impact on resources, has an effect uh, on the technology you have in front of you. It has an effect on the processes and the capabilities of people. Um, and change takes time. Change takes patience. You can't get everything right now. You need to be able to paint the picture but also paint a journey that everybody can go along. And some people will go along at a faster pace than others. And one of the things I've, I've, I've recognized is building relationship takes time and patience. Mm -hmm. Taking everybody along the journey towards your goal is, is essential if you want to be, it's people that make, uh, build products, people that build the tech and having the patience to recognize that some people strategic um, um, uh, finance, um, people finance your projects, or perhaps people that are involved in the operational building, not just the tech, you need to take them on the journey. And that sometimes takes a lot of patience. And I'm I'm not, so uh, you know, initially when I started my career, I wasn't that patient. I was the young guy wanting to, to do everything <laughs> now. Why couldn't it happen right now? But when you see the, when you experience the effect of where a piece of work has done really well, and it might be of high quality, but the but the change management to an organization perhaps wasn't done correctly, that investment, that really good work in tech done can be quickly wasted because the business wasn't able or wasn't in a position to really get the value, to deploy it in the right way, to get the value out mm -hmm. of it. Um, and again, that's the, where the patience piece comes in, making sure that you are patient around your, yes, you can deliver the technology, 
but making sure you're patient about making sure you're bringing the business and everybody else on the journey so they can get the best out of that product you build. One of the things that um, I've seen a number of times is where we build the best products technically, but the business wasn't. We wanted to we wanted to run really fast. Why isn't the business really ready yet? Why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and a really good idea, investment-wise, has been placed on the shelf and doesn't get re- doesn't get picked up again because the business has moved on. It was yeah. too quick. We didn't understand it. So taking the patience to get bring everybody on the journey on those different aspects is crucial. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier what. what drives me as, as somebody in the tech industry is seeing the technical technology products that we build actually being used to solve customer problems in the real world. And, you know, that's that's where the patience piece comes. Excellent. Love it. That's, that's, that's really kind of raised my awareness around that beautiful thing. I, I'm very much... Uh, maybe I'm still kind of there in your kind of what you was in the earlier days in learning that patience because I think it does, uh, you know, it does have an impact in the space. Impatience has an impact in the space. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up and sharing that wisdom with us. And as we come towards the closing arc of our podcast and our time together, I'd like to get your advice on uh, advice you'd give to aspiring tech leaders out there listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I think. I think there's, there's four things I want to, and then they echo what I've already said during the podcast, having purpose. Um, having purpose means really being attuned to the needs of your customer, um, really being attuned to the needs of your own tech team, having need, having, being in tune to the needs of your stakeholders financially, or even someone who's consuming your services. I think that's really, really key. Um, a lot of the reason why I mentioned that one is a lot of um, I, I have experienced a situation where um, tech leader focused solely on the technology and forgot about actually that some a human is going to use or a set of humans yeah. in an operational environment is going to use. And again, it just makes whatever you're building useless because and the effort that you're investing time and the passion that everyone is investing in, uh, not um, you don't, you're not getting the return on what that that investment. Um, being bold and brave. Be always willing to to challenge the status quo. Um, I love that stuff. Um, mm. uh, you know, and building relationships, as I mentioned earlier. Um, be patient. Recognize we're all human, and um, and making sure you're taking everybody on a journey. Great. You know, make 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 um, make your staff, make your stakeholders, your customer part of your journey. As I mentioned earlier, around when you you find that your customers are accelerating you. Uh, you want to you want to do the best you can for your customer. Share that with them. Explain how you can how you're going to catch up or even pass them along that. So I think that's that's really yeah, brilliant. And any books that you've experienced, oh, no. read, or or talks that you've seen that have kind of been quite defining in your journey. Yeah. So one of the books that I've just finished reading, although it's a short book, it's, I, I like short books because I don't have a lot of time for mm. reading, but is um, go long. Um, uh, why the long-term thinking is your best short-term strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I started reading this book is because, and this book's uh, a McKinsey uh, company book. Um, uh, the reason why I started reading this is because, you know, I found that um, a number of tech companies focus on what it is that they need to, to build now. But having that longer-term vision really does take um, a degree of really understanding the customer, understanding your goals, um, really understanding how you can bring long-term benefit to your to yourself and your organization and your staff. And it goes back to that patience piece. Mm. I, I'm, I, I see that 
real benefit comes through long-term thinking. You get those with the real fruits. You can get stuff now, you know, you can get the returns now that you want. But for me, I don't want that. Whatever you get short-term, I, I, I'm just not prepared to accept. I feel that if we if we sit down, we think about the long-term, there are far greater benefit to be held on to uh, and to be attained. So the my book here yeah, is Go Long, Why Long-Term Thinking is Your Best Short-Term Strategy. Like it. That's I- where I am. That's going to be added to my list. I'm I'm inspired to read that book, and and it's, it sounds like a short book as well. So I'm even more inspired to read it. So that's brilliant. And now I'm going to offer you a tech genie wish. Okay, I'm going to give you a wish for your tech leadership, your industry that you're working in. What would you wish for? Is this just for me? Could be. Could I be really selfish? Absolutely. It's a wish. <laughs> so I wish I could have two days out of my week. To be mentored in a in in a in a in a, an environment with other tech leaders, I'd like that. You know, it's almost you know. I'm not sure about, about you, but my my wife, um, she, you know, we, we have a we have a rule that in the evening we sit down and we go talk about work, talk about work. Now that's unusual because normally a lot of people go now they start talking about work when you get home. Talk about work because. I sometimes use my wife as a bit of a sounding board, and she gives me ideas on how to do things, or tackle and um, tackle things. Uh, she's a she's a teacher, um, but she's in the in the business in the in the doing teaching business and uh, accountancy. Um, and uh, I, on many occasions, use her as that sounding board. So that's why I've, I've, I'm focusing on the on the mentoring piece because I'm really for the for the you know you, you speak to your, my wife for um, for a good twenty minutes, her answer comes out too. And you know what? That's the answer. That is the answer. Wow. Almost like sitting and listening to and, you, and you've got it off your chest. So that mentoring piece where you can sit down and talk to other people, perhaps not even in your in the industry. Um, two days a week. Yeah. Two days a week, which as you know as a CTO, it's you don't have the luxury to do that. But that'd be really great. You just put everything else on pause and come back and go. <laughs> yes, right. I'm gonna work on that one for you. I'm going to see if I can make that one come true, Marcus. So uh, that's great. And and as we come to the full stop of our time together, the end of the podcast, unfortunately, what's your key takeaway that you'd like to leave the tech leader, men and women, as a parting gift? Be patient, build relationship. Love it. I love it. That's a beautiful note to finish on. I love the patience piece as well, because I must admit, I'm really reflecting on that myself. I think that's had a real impact. It's going to be one of my key takeaways from this. So thank you for your time, Marcus. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Thank you, TC. Thank you. And finally, Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.